How's everybody today? Hey, it's good to see you. Glad you're here in church today. And if you're here for the very first time at the bridge or watching online for the first time, we welcome you. So glad you have joined us today. And you know, we're aware there are a lot of great churches in the valley, and we're honored that you choose to be here worshiping with us today. So thanks so much for being here. If you have any questions today, out that first set of doors to your right, there's an info center. They can answer any questions you've got. And also, you can check out our website, thebridgechurch.tv. Also, you can download our app. It keeps you in touch with all that's going on here at The Bridge. We just want you to know we're really glad you're here today, and we want to get connected with you. Can we just put our hands together and welcome all of our first-time guests today? God bless you. Thanks for joining us. Today is Super Bowl Sunday. Anybody excited about Super Bowl? It's kind of what I thought. Kind of what I thought. Some excited, some aren't. Well, l- let me get the rest of you excited. How many of you excited that tomorrow is Valentine's Day? I think, I think the women are a little louder than the men. Okay? Men, you might learn something from that. This is church and this is worship. Okay? But, but let, me, let me take it one step further. I, I've been wrestling the last several days in preparation for this message. Do I do a message and talk about Super Bowl and make some of you happy? Or, or do I do a message and talk about Valentine's Day and make the other Super Bowl, Valentine's Hey, let, let me tell you something really exciting. Did, did you stop to realize that now that the NFL has gone to 17 games and pushed Super Bowl back a week, in the next few years, there will be a, there will be a time come when Super Bowl is on Valentine's Day. <laughs> Think about that. So, you know, I've been wrestling with all that this week. And then, not only that, Southern California, man, th- this cold winter weather is driving me crazy, man. When is it ever going to end and we get back to warm weather, you know? They say today might be the, the, the warmest Super Bowl in history. Just, just a little thought. Uh, you say, well, what the, what's that got to do with anything? Nothing. But just want to give you a chance to get warmed up with me this morning. So I've, I've been wrestling. What, what do I talk about? Do I talk about Super Bowl or Valentine's Day? So after all of the prayer and thought, the answer is neither. <laughs> I'm going to talk today about encounters and invitations. Encounters and invitations. And, you know, I think each of us lives with a desire to encounter God. One of the things that happens, you probably don't know this, doesn't matter on one hand, but every Thursday afternoon, all of our staff gathers here in our auditorium and we spend about half an hour or so praying for weekend services because we want people to encounter God. We want God to show up and meet us right where we are because that's what God does. So we welcome his presence. You know, for many years, there was a famous American minister who used to say that there is a God-shaped hole in the heart of every human being. And nothing can fill all of that hole except God himself. People want to have an encounter with God. And most of us in this room today are watching online. I would dare say that most of us, we want a real encounter with God. One that will encourage us or maybe bring direction to our lives or maybe even change the course of our lives. And really that's why we're here today. We believe in a personal God and we long for personal encounters, personal experiences with him. As you study the Bible throughout Scripture, we read stories of people who had amazing, life-changing encounters with God. And I think there's some lessons that we can learn from these encounters. So today, we're going to look at one of these encounters, which led to other encounters, and just talk a little bit about the life of a man whose name was Abram, or later on, God changed his name to Abraham. So throughout this message, I may say Abram, I may say Abraham. I'm referring to the same gentleman, okay? Genesis chapter 12. If you've got a Bible, you can join us there. If you don't have a Bible with you, we'll have the verses on the screen that are important to the message today. 
Look at Genesis chapter 12, verse 1. This is where the story begins. It's the first account of this man named Abram. Verse 1 says, now the Lord had said, notice, the Lord had said to Abram, get out of your country, from your family, from your father's house, to a land that I will show you. Next verse, I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great and you shall be a blessing. Verse three, I will bless those who bless you. I will curse him who curses you. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Now, God is downloading some pretty heavy stuff on this guy named Abram when he says this. But then we get to verse number four. So Abram departed as the Lord had spoken to him. And Lot went with him. Lot was his nephew. We'll get into that maybe at a later time. But Lot went with him. His nephew and his family traveled with him. And Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. Now, the first thing I want you to notice today is I don't care how old you are, you are a candidate to have an encounter with God. There might be some of you in the building today, you've thought, well, you know what, I've passed the age, I'm not going to hear from God now. God started with Abraham when he was 75. So all of us are candidates to experience God. But there are three things that I want you to see in this counter real quickly before we, we move on. The first thing is when God showed up, I mean, unexpectedly, Abram just encounters God. God shows up. The first thing that God does is he makes promises. If God shows up in your life unexpectedly, he's going to make some promises to you. God makes promises. One of the things we have to remember about God is that God is a good God. He is the source of every good and perfect gift. And when God shows up in your life, he wants to show you a path to his goodness and a path to his blessing. That's what he did for Abram. And what he said to Abram, he says, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to do things in your life that you cannot do for yourself. I'm going to cause things to happen like you've never experienced before. And your future is going to be much brighter than what your past has been. But he'd already had a good life. He'd already been blessed in many respects. But there were empty places in his life. God said, I'm going to fill those empty places. Friend, let me tell you something. A lot of us tend to go through life with the fear of God's presence. You know what causes that initially? Sin causes that. Because we know we're not worthy to stand in the presence of God. But once you've accepted Christ as your Savior, God has brought you into a relationship where your sin has been removed and there's no longer a a, a reason to fear God's presence. If God shows up in your life, if it's a small way or a big way, when God shows up, welcome His presence because He's got some good news for you. He wants to do some good things in your life. I stress it over and over again. God's got better plans for you than you've got for yourself. So let him be God in your life. But then the the other part of this blessing thing is God says, I'm going to bless you. And then you're going to be a blessing. See, sometimes we live with this thing. God bless me, bless me, bless me, bless me. I'm going to build as big a tank as I can get. I'm going to hang on to all of it. God says, no, I've blessed you not to be a a reservoir. I've blessed you to be a river. I've blessed you to receive blessing and then be a blessing to those around you. It's all part of God's plan. The, The second thing we see here is God gave Abram some instructions. When God speaks... God always has something important to say. How many of you know somebody that talks a lot, but they don't have much to say? You ever know anybody like that? I mean, it, and it's like, dude, are you ever going to be finished here? Get to the point. What's the bottom line? When God shows up, it doesn't take God long to say what he has to say. He doesn't mince his word. He doesn't waste his time. He doesn't waste your time. God speaks And when he speaks, he has important things to say. But oftentimes when God shows up, not only does he speak blessing into our lives, but he also gives us some instructions. He says to Abraham, Abram, I've got big plans for you, but they're not going to happen here. You need to leave where you are. And and by the way, Abram, you need to leave all of your family behind and Get away from those people because I'm going to take you to another place. I'm going to give you so much blessing 
that it can't be contained here where you're at. So I'm going to lead you to a place where there's going to be plenty of room for all this blessing and all this purpose. So Abram, you've got to separate from those who would hold you back. See, if you study this out, Abram's family were pagan worshipers. They were looking for God, but they were looking for God in all the wrong places. They probably had several gods that they were serving. And God said, you can't follow me and stay there. Now, now, now stop, stop here for just a moment. These are the days before scripture is written. This is before the Old Testament law has been given. This is before the founding of the nation of Israel. This is before all of that that we look to in the Old Testament. So Abram has no way of really knowing all the ways to follow God. But God shows up and says, one of the things you're going to have to do is you're going to have to separate from the old to walk into the new. See, one of the things that God often does with us when he shows up, he says, you know, there's some old stuff you're attached to that's going to keep you from going where you need to go and be blessing you the way you need to be blessed. So you need to separate from some things. God shows up. He gives instructions. But you know, I've got to believe to show up out of nowhere and for God to give him instructions. I have to believe there was something in the heart of Abram that said, I want to know God. I want to be all that God created me to be. I don't want to miss anything God has for me. I don't want to go through life by myself. I believe there's a creator. I want to know him. I want to live life with him. And I want to see his hand working in my life. And when you have that kind of heart, God will show up. He'll speak blessing. And then he gives you instruction. Where to go from here. And, and then there's a third thing that I want you to notice here. And that is that God not only promised blessing and gave instructions, God asked for something from him. He said, Abram, I need you to obey me. I need you to obey me. Obedience to God creates the path to blessings from God. Obedience to God creates the path to blessing from God. And obedience to God always demands faith because we're going to have to believe things we haven't seen. We're going to have to go to places where we've never been and at the first might seem uncomfortable. And we're going to have to begin to believe for things that are bigger than what we can produce in our own strength and our own resources. But when God begins to speak, he's going to demand we take some steps of faith and obey him. It's interesting that Abram heard all this from God. You know what he did? He started traveling. He packed everybody up and he headed south where God was telling him to go. But the interesting thing is, at that time, he didn't even know for sure where he was going. How many in the house today lift a hand and say, I wish God would tell me to go somewhere and I didn't know where it was? Wouldn't that be great? Some of you wives are already saying, well, every time you go somewhere with my husband, that's the way it is when he drives. He's going somewhere, but he didn't know where he's going. So Abram has this encounter with God and he obeys God. But look at verse number five. I want to go to the second part of this. Because all of a sudden we begin to see a series of encounters with God in Abram's life. He didn't just have one encounter. It led to other encounters. Verse five says this. Then Abraham took Sarah, his wife, Lot, his brother's son, and all their possessions that they had gathered and the people whom they had acquired in Haran, and they departed to go to the land of Canaan. So they came to the land of Canaan. Verse six. Abram passed through the land of the place of Shechem, as far as the terebinth tree of Moreh. And the Canaanites were then in the land. And notice verse 7, then, everybody say then. See, God demanded something from him. I need you to obey me. I need you to walk in faith. So he leaves and starts this journey from somewhere up, maybe north Syria, maybe even the south part of Turkey. He starts this journey all the way down to what was known as the land of Canaan at that time. And he arrives there at this place. And there, verse 7, then the Lord appeared to Abram. And remember, when this whole thing started, it said the Lord spoke to Abram. Now it says the Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your descendants I will give this land. And there he built an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. 
One of the things I've learned about God is when God downloads something big in your life and you have this encounter with God and you start following him, one of the things I've found is God will continue to show up to keep you moving forward. From time to time, God shows up to confirm his promise, to give next instructions, and to bring more clarity for the future. See, most of us live with this thing of, well, God, if you could explain it to me from beginning to end so I understand it all and I can jot it all down and get it in my planner, I'll follow you. And God says, no, you take the first step. Head south. Well, God, not until you download it all. And God says, you know what? If you don't have any faith, I, I can't walk you through this. You got to obey me. So Abram starts this journey. And what happens? God shows up. And what happens is these encounters with God bring us closer to God. We begin to recognize God's presence. We begin to, begin to sense that he's near. And we begin to recognize his voice because we hear it enough that we know that's the voice of God. It's different than other voices. So God appears to Abram at least a second time now. But what does Abram do the second time God shows up? Abram did the only thing he knew to do. Out of his background, out of what people knew of God in those days, Abram built an altar. Which means he took wood, he built this altar. It was big enough to put an animal on it. You probably cut its throat, drained the blood, put the animal on top, and then you set fire and you burn it to the ground till it's all gone. In those days... That's what worship was. Go back to Cain and Abel. You find it there. So he sacrifices to God. He builds this altar, makes a sacrifice. You see, we love encounters with God when God just suddenly shows up out of nowhere and he initiates time with us. But we also need to learn to respond to these encounters with God. What is God wanting from me what does God want when he shows up and makes promises what does God want when he keeps showing up giving new instructions God's looking for us to learn to build altars now let me show you something interesting go on to verse number eight now remember he started up here he moves down quite a distance to Canaan says in verse eight now he moved from there to the mountain east of Bethel he pitched his tent with Bethel on the west and Ai on the east. And there he what? He built an altar to the Lord and called on the name of the Lord. So Abram journeyed going on still toward the south. What I want you to see here is Abram encounters God. He obeys God. He's carrying these promises in his heart. Nothing's happened yet, but he's carrying these promises. And God shows up again. So what does Abram do? He builds an altar. And then what does he do? A few days later, he moves again. Why is he moving around? Because he's a nomad. That's what they did. They took care of of, of sheep and herds and flocks and goats. He's a nomad. He travels from place to place. Wherever there's grass and water, that's where he's going next. When that place dries up and the grass is gone, they go find another spot. He lives this way. But all of a sudden, there's this habit developing in, in his life. He arrives in a new place, he gets everything settled, he sets up camp, and then the next thing he does is he builds an altar of worship to God. He builds an altar, and he calls on the name of the Lord. If you study out the life of Abram, he goes from place to place to place, and every time he sets up camp, he builds an altar. He creates a place of worship. Every season of life, Every place of life, every time of life, we need to be creating altars of worship to God. It touches the heart of God. So an altar became a normal, regular part of Abram's life. And and let me go back to it for just a second. I don't want to belabor the point, but I want to make this clear. He would get dried wood, so he had to take the time to gather up enough dried wood to build an altar that was big enough to hold an animal. 
And then he also had to build it in such a way that there was order so it would draft oxygen, so it would burn, and so it would burn up the entire sacrifice. So it took some work, some time, some effort, some searching to be able to build these altars. But everywhere he went, he took the time to stop and worship God. And each time he did this, what he was saying was, God, I'm looking for you. God, I need you. God, what's next? What's next? Abram lived this life. Now, I want to take a couple of minutes and I want to bring this forward to our lives today. I know, you know, men are thinking this thing through and thinking, oh man, we, we got a Super Bowl party this afternoon. Now I got to go to Home Depot or Lowe's and I got to get some wood. And I got to get some kerosene, some matches, and, and then I and then I got to stop by the pet store. And uh, <laughs> no, just kidding. <laughs> but I'm just kidding. But you know what? If you're going to do that, start with the cats, okay? Okay. <laughs> that's that's just my personal bias. I'm just kidding. They make me sneeze. But So I know guys are thinking, you know, what, what do I do with this altar thing? Let, let's bring it forward into our lives today. What are altars? Altars are simply invitations for God's presence. God, I need you. God, I want you. God, I need to know what's next. Altars are invitations to God. And a couple things here. An, an altar is a place of worship. Worship is a time when I tell God how much he's worth to me. I express to God, this is your value to me. This is how much you mean to me. You know, worship is not about saying magic words and learning phrases out of mysticism. It's not superstition. Worship simply means worth-ship. It's declaring to God what we really think he's worth. And I can't imagine, I can't imagine being a follower of Jesus, having my sins washed away and being in relationship with God and never stopping regularly to take time to tell God what he means to me. Because every time I do that, it's an invitation for God's presence. See, worship is simply the personal recognition of who God is. You know, we have worship services here on Sunday morning. I love our worship time. I love it. I love singing these songs, lifting our hands, lifting our voices. I love it. It's great because for me, it becomes a very personal thing. Yeah, it's corporate worship, but it becomes personal. Every word on that screen, every word that we sing, I sing it and I let it come from my heart because I want to invite God's help into my life. So I approach worship as personal recognition of who God is. But you know what else worship is? It's a welcome mat. God, you're welcome in my life. Now, let, let me show you this. Encounters and invitations. All of us, if, if Christ is our Savior, we've had, we've had encounters with God. We know what it is to have the Spirit of God knock on the door of our hearts. But we need to learn to move from encounters to invitations. For once we know God, we continually invite him. We put out the welcome mat and say, God, I want you here. I need you here. You are welcome in my life. An altar is a time when I sit down and I throw this out and I say, God, I don't want to do life without you. I don't want to make stupid decisions. I don't want to make wrong decisions. I don't want to walk away from you. I don't want to go in a direction that would hurt you or me or anybody else. God, I need you in my life. That's what an altar is. It's a welcome mat for God to come and get involved. It just might be 
that Abram kept having these encounters with God because he kept putting out the welcome mat. And God knew, Abram wants me around. But there's another part of worship. Worship, an altar, is also a place of sacrifice. It's, it's a place where I give God something of value to me. And yeah, it's time, it's energy. Sometimes it's finances, things of value to me. Remember the story of David in the Old Testament when he had sinned against God and a plague hit the whole nation because he was the king, he was the leader, and he brought this plague on the people. People began to die. And David ran to God and said, God, I've got to stop this. So he knew, I've got to make a sacrifice. So he goes to this guy and he says, hey, can, can I have your threshing floor? I want to buy it from you and I'm going to build an altar there. I'm going to burn this thing to the ground. It'll be useless from here on. But I want to buy it because I've got to sacrifice to God to turn the course of what's happening here. And this guy looks at David and says, hey, you know what? You don't need to give me any money. Just take the threshing floor. I don't care. Burn it to the ground. You're the king. If you want it, I'll give it to you. But David looks at him and said, no, 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 you don't understand. I can't give something to God that costs me nothing. What I give to God, it's a sacrifice. You go back to the beginning with Cain and Abel. What did God ask for from them? A sacrifice, a specific sacrifice. Their first and their best. Something that would cost them something, but they would give it to God in faith. And that's a part of an altar. That's a part of worship. Because a sacrifice says, God, I believe you. A sacrifice says, God, I trust you. And a sacrifice says, God, everything I have belongs to you. So if you ask for it, I'll gladly give it back to you. And from God's perspective, there's something about the heart of a man or a woman. And I don't think anything expresses the heart of a person better than an altar with the sacrifice. Than us putting out the welcome mat and saying, God, I want you and I need you in my life. I need you. Sunday morning worship, I talked about it a few moments ago. Sunday morning worship, I don't want to be a spectator. I want to be a participator. It's a time when we're gathered with other believers and we're throwing out the welcome mat, inviting God's presence. And I believe we need to learn to respond to God encounters with invitations for more of God's presence. Then the last part of this message, I, I want to jump forward to Genesis 22. Now, you know, I mentioned earlier we read it, Abram was 75 years of age when God first encountered him and he made these promises. 24 years later, when he's 99 years of age, God shows up and says, I'm going to change your name. You're about to have a son of promise that I've been telling you about. Things are about to change. He's already waited 24 years. He's 99 years old. God shows up, changes his name from father to father of nations or multitudes. And it happened at a time when he was encountering God. 24 years later, he's having encounters with God. But fast forward another 15 or 20 years. He now has this son, Isaac, the son of promise. And you got to get this because I'm almost finished. Everything God's promised to Abram is going to happen through Isaac and the following offspring from generation to generation. But everything for Abram is wrapped up in this son, Isaac. Anything happens to Isaac, it's all dead and gone. But some 40, 45 years, maybe even longer, after the time that God first made promises to Abram, He's got this son, Isaac, who's at least a teenager, maybe even a young adult. God shows up again. Look at Genesis 22, verse number 9. Then they came to the place of which God had told him. And Abram built an altar there and placed the wood in order. 
And he bound Isaac, his son, and laid him on the altar upon the wood. Pause here a second. God speaks to Abraham and says, Abram, you still believe me? I told you, you're going to be a father of multitudes. I told you I was going to give you a son. And you and Sarah have now had this son. And he's becoming a young man. But Abram, do you still believe me? Do you still believe me? Abram says, oh, yeah, yeah, I believe you. God says, and I want you to travel to a place I'll show you. It's about three days away. Take your little entourage, take some servants, get your, your, your mules, your donkeys, your horses, whatever you want to take. Take the boy, go on this journey. And when you arrive at the place which I will show you, I want you to offer him as a sacrifice. You know what Abraham does? He gets the entourage together, saddles up the horses and mules and donkeys and takes off prepared to offer his son. He travels three days and then he arrives at the mountain. He turns to the young men with him, the servants, and says, you guys stay here. We'll be back. We're going on top of the mountain to worship. And then we're coming back. And he takes his son and he makes his son carry the firewood. Every good dad would do that. Make the boy carry the firewood. And they're walking up the mountain and Abram's probably got the torch in his hand. And as they're walking up the mountain, in his heart, he knows all that God's promised me, all that God's given me. I'm about to kill it and burn it to a crisp where nothing is left. But that's what God's asking me to do. The New Testament tells us that Abram believed in his heart. If I do this, God will raise him from the dead. Put yourself in Abram's shoes. Put yourself in Isaac's shoes. As they walk up the mountain. And then Abram takes the time to lay out all the wood and get it just right. And he ties up his son and lays him on the altar. Verse number 10. And Abram stretched out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abram, Abram. He said, here I am. He said, do not lay your hand on the lad or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God, since you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. God says, Abraham, 40, 45 years into this journey, are you still willing to take everything I've given you and lay it on the altar? Are you still willing to take all the promises and worship me and give it back to me? Abraham had, been, had become rich, wealthy. He had everything he ever wanted in life. But it really all came down to Isaac. Laid him on the altar, raised the knife, and then God said, stop. Now I know. Now I know you believe me. See, there are times in life when God just needs us to come and kneel down and say, God, you bless me been so good but everything I've got I build an altar and I put it there anything I've got everything you bless me with if you want it I'll give it back to you because I trust you that much we need these altars in our lives where we never take God's goodness for granted we never look at what God's given us and say look what I've done for myself no it's the hand and it's the goodness of God Remember what I said in the first part of this message. When I encounter God, he, He's probably going to ask me for something. Which brings me to a place today in my own heart, in my own life. I have to ask myself, is there anything, is there anything in my life that I would withhold from God and not give back to Him? Anything? That may be exactly what God wants from me. But one final little point here. This is a whole message in itself, but I'll say it quickly as I close. It's amazing to me that father and son start walking up the mountain 
Isaac is probably 15, 20 years of age, somewhere in there, maybe a little older even. But they start walking up the mountain and Isaac's got all this firewood and his dad's got the torch and they're walking up this mountain, climbing this steep hill. And Isaac, the son, looks at his dad and says, Dad, we've got firewood and we've got fire. Where's the lamb? Where's the sacrifice? He didn't know he was about to be the sacrifice. But here's what I want you to see. This young man knew all about worship. He knew all about the welcome mat. He knew how to get the presence of God in his life. Because from the time he was a little bitty boy, everywhere they went, the first thing dad did when he set up camp was he built an altar. We wonder what's going to happen with the next generation. They're going to learn to build altars from moms and dads and grandpas and grandmas. And when they become adults, they'll know there's an altar, there's fire, but there's also a sacrifice. It's a part of worship. Children need to learn worship from mom and dad. From grandpa and grandma. the last little piece of this you you may be here today and maybe you've never encountered God maybe you've never committed your life to him maybe you've never had a moment when the spirit of God was tugging at your heart but maybe you're sitting there today and it's tugging and you're saying well what, what what sacrifice do I need to make to bring me into relationship with God God has already prepared a sacrifice to bring you into relationship He sacrificed his own son to wash away your sins and welcome you into his family. God's put a welcome mat out for you, but he needs you to say, I'm in, I'm coming home. Bow your heads this morning. I want to lead you in a quick prayer. I'm going to ask everybody here, pray this prayer with me. You may be watching online. I'm asking everybody, everybody to pray this prayer with me. There's nothing special about my words, but let these words become yours and let let them become the words of your heart. Pray this prayer. Say, God, I need you. And I welcome you into my life. Forgive me of my sin. I want to know you. I want to encounter you over and over again. I want to go through life with you. I accept Jesus as my Savior. I choose Jesus to become the Lord of my life. I will learn your ways. I will follow you. I believe you give eternal life to me. So I trust you. Be my God. Be my Father. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, I'm convinced... There are people who've responded to that today, watching online, here in the house. We'll we'll address that in a couple of minutes. I want to take a couple of minutes, and I want to give everybody here in this place an opportunity to just throw out the welcome mat. Say, God, I want you and I need you in my life. Some of you are going through challenging times. Some of you have got questions for the future. Some of you have got a tugging in your heart, and you know there's more that God has for you. We're going to worship God and sing part of one song one more time and just open our hearts to God. The entire team's coming out right now. I want you to stand to your feet. We'll dismiss you in a few minutes. It's still early. Let's just take time to put out the welcome mat and worship God together this morning.
failed and you never will. And as Pastor Gary said, Lord, we want to worship you. We want to welcome you. Let's lift our hands together. Let's sing this out. Come on. And rain came when blue my house was built on. Come on, we welcome his presence in this place. I'm faith and our trust is in you God we make the commitment today not to just believe you and trust you but to honor you to look for those times to throw out the welcome mat and just invite you to come that we can have encounters with you to know your way and your direction for our lives thank you father you use your word and your spirit to direct us every day we will follow you Amen, amen, amen. How many are on board with that this morning? You can be seated for just a couple of minutes. Just before Pastor Zach comes, I want to say one thing. If you committed your heart to the Lord today, first time you opened your life to Him, or maybe you've been on the wrong road and you decided it's time to come home, We've got a little gift we want to give you. It's called The Next Seven Days. If you're watching online, you can get electronically. There are instructions on your screen. If you're here in the house, when service is over, there'll be prayer teams over by the side of each wall, down front of the building. They're there to pray with you for any need. But if you just walk up to one of these teams and say, can I get the booklet? They'll give it to you, no strings attached. If you've got questions, you want prayer for something else, they'll pray with you, answer questions. But ultimately, we want to put this in your hand. We believe it'll help you begin your relationship with God. So if you're in a really big rush today, because you're a Rams fan and you know they're going to win later today, uh, as you head out the lobby, out at the exit doors, there's a counter set up right there. You can see the sign. Stop by, get the next seven days there. Again, no strings attached. We simply want to help you get started walking with God. God bless you. We love you. Let's put our hands together and welcome new believers into God's family. Why don't we take a moment and give Pastor Gary a good hand for that message this morning. Hey, before we conclude this morning, we just want to take a couple of moments to do something that we love to do, and that's to honor God by bringing our tithes and our offerings into his house. 
And uh, if you came prepared to do that this morning, then you already know the different ways that we give here at the bridge. But on the screen right now are a few different options that you can choose from. If you'd like to give digitally this morning, you can select one of those options that's most convenient for you. Uh, if you came ready to give in person, whether that's through check or cash, you can just grab one of those envelopes that's there in your seat backs. And you can drop it at one of our giving stations at the end of service. Our giving stations are located on either side of the exit door before you exit the auditorium. We also have another giving station outside near the kids' check-in area. But I just want to take a moment to say thank you for your generosity and for your faithfulness in giving. Um, We recognize again that God is always calling on us to be obedient, to put him first. And so many of you have made that decision in your lives and in your hearts to honor him with the tithe and to sow through offerings as well. So thank you so much for doing that, taking your place in the work of the gospel going forth here in the Temecula Valley at the Bridge Church and also through our partnerships around the world. We really, really are grateful for your generosity. And I love what Pastor said this morning because he talked about how God has called us to be rivers and not reservoirs. And I love that thought. And when we choose to give, when we choose to put him first with the tithe, when we choose to sow into his kingdom with our offerings, what we are doing is we are putting ourselves in the flow of God's kingdom where God brings blessing into our lives. He takes care of us. He meets our needs, but he also gives us the ability to be a blessing to others. We don't give to get, we get to give. We get to honor God. We get to enter into his kingdom blessings and be a blessing to the world around us. So again, thank you so much for doing that. Thank you for putting God first and thank you for your generosity. Hey, real quick, we just want to remind you about a couple things that are coming up in church life. And Pastor Ann's actually coming right out to join me up here. But I want to tell you very quickly, we have water baptisms happening at the end of this month on the 27th of February. That's the last Sunday of the month. And I think it's really important to share this with you because we talked about water baptisms last week. And I know it really hit home with a lot of people. And usually every few months when we do water baptisms, we will have, you know, a good number of people that will sign up to get baptized baptized, but so far in one week after last weekend's message, we've had 54 people decide to get baptized later this month. You can just really see that God is doing something in people's hearts. So I just want to extend the invitation. If you have been considering doing that, maybe you've been a bit hesitant because you're thinking, hmm, do I want to do that? Do I want to get re-baptized or do that with my spouse or my family? I've encountered two families in the last two days that are all doing it together. We have married couples, people of all ages, people that aren't young anymore who have been walking with God for a long time choosing to get baptized. So we are very much excited about this, and we just want to invite you to be a part of this very, very special day because I feel like God is really doing something through this. So jump in and be a part of this as a church family. If you'd like to get baptized, you can go to the Bridge app or to our website and register for that, all right? So join us this month on the 27th and be baptized. Pastor Ann? Yes, that is so exciting. And now, ladies, I have something I want to share with all of you. I am so excited about the new series that we are launching into through Bridge Women. And, ladies, I just feel like this is really something God has put in my heart for all of us to do together. Because you know, as well as I do, that it is so easy to let the world around us, the daily circumstances we face, the cares of life, to let all of that shape our thoughts, our actions, and the words that we speak. But in this series, we are going to be intentional about letting the Word of God instead shape our thoughts, our actions, and our words. As we, yes, <laughs> that is a good thing. Because we're going to discover the power in meditating, applying, and proclaiming God's Word in our daily lives. Map. We are going to map the course God created us to live on rather than letting the world around us determine the course of our lives. So we have got these study journals that we're going to be going through together. We are going to be looking at one verse a week for the next 10 weeks. How easy is that? Focusing on one verse a week. Anyone can do this. And we are going to allow that verse to consume our thoughts, our actions, Actions and our words that we're speaking all throughout the week. And by the end of the 10 weeks, I know that we are going to be stronger. We are going to be full of faith and hope. And at the end of these 10 weeks, we are going to have 10 verses memorized, not just up here in our heads, but deep in our hearts, alive in our hearts. So I'm excited. I don't want anyone to miss out on this. There's different ways that you can be involved. The number one way that I encourage you to get involved with this 
is through our Bridge Women Connect groups. We've got connect groups happening all across the valley, all different days of the week, times of day. You can find them on the Bridge Women page of our website and our app, and also next week at our Connect Group Expo. And if for any reason it's just not possible for you to be part of a connect group, you can still be part of this series. You can join us online. Maybe you can do it with a coworker, a friend, a family member. You can still be part of this. But no matter how you choose to be connected with this series, you will need to purchase this study journal. And we've got them available today at the Bridge Women table out in the foyer when you exit the auditorium it will be to your left in the front left corner of the foyer we've got the study journals we've got scripture cards with the verses that we're going to be focusing on so you can put them around the house keep your focus on those things and i believe we are going to see god do great things in our lives can't wait to share this series with you so stop by the table before you go today and Hope you have a great day. It has been awesome being in church with you. We love you. We pray for you. See you next Sunday.